0: From Genesis chapter 25, beginning with verse 29, a tale of two brothers and the stew. Once when Jacob was cooking a stew, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stuff for I am famished. Therefore he was called Edom. The Chris Morgan Translation, Old Red. Jacob said, first sell me your birthright. Esau said, I'm about to die. What use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore to him. And he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank, and rose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, use your servant's lips and your people's ears and hearts that today, as they are joined together, that the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. Do you know the difference? Do you know the difference between what is valuable and what is not valuable? Sometimes it's obvious, and other times it's not quite so obvious. If we were to go through all of the things in my parents' house, one of the things that we would find would be in a box. It would be a, a white apron that had yellowed with years that was covered in blood. Most people would say, oh my goodness, we ought to get rid of this and we ought to get rid of this now, because for most people it wouldn't mean anything, but it belonged to my great grandmother. My great grandmother was home one night and she was cooking when one of her brothers staggered in. He had been out somewhere and there had been an argument with another young man over a woman. The two had fought, there had been a stabbing, and my great-grandmother's brother died in her arms as she was holding that apron, or as she was holding him wearing that apron. That apron might not mean anything to anyone else, but to a member of a family that, that has a sense of history, it is incredibly valuable. Pennies. don't know how much longer pennies will be in circulation. As long as I can remember no r- recognizing monetary value and that kind of thing. Uh, pennies have been talked about as, as leaving circulation soon. I don't know that that will happen but there are an awful lot of pennies out there. Some of them are worth exactly one cent. Others are worth far more. I was looking this past week at a misprinted penny. E pluribus unum. Okay, you've got the S on pluribus, but it's in a larger font and it's upside down. That particular penny looks like a penny, but is currently being sold for $250,000. If you don't know what you're looking for, you will miss the value. There's another penny where one of the words is misspelled, and they tried to get rid of all of it, but a few of them made it into circulation anyway. It's on sale for $50,000 if you are interested in such misprints. Do you know the difference between what is valuable and what is not valuable? Do you know when it's okay to barter something away or when that something is precious and should be kept? We have two characters. We have the character of Jacob. Jacob lives among the tents. He is his mama's favorite child. And he knows value when he thinks about it. He's not just thinking about right now. He's not just thinking about what he's going to like or want or or be interested in today. Jacob is thinking long term. Esau, his brother, is the other character that we see in this narrative. Esau is not quite so contemplative He's a hunter, he says daddy's favorite, and he absolutely knows what he wants right now. In the ancient world as in the modern world there are a couple of different lifestyles. As one historian puts it there's the difference that's always existed between the desert on the one hand and the sown, the place Uh, where, where fields are planted, where agriculture takes place, the life of mobility versus the settled life, the life in the city and the life outside of the city. Jacob and Esau, these two brothers, represent different lifestyles in the ancient world. One, the tent dweller, who stays there among the tents, probably still um, a mobile kind of existence, but less mobile than that of his brother Esau, who goes out into the fields, out into the woods, who is a hunter. Jacob and Esau have been fighting since before they were ever born. Their mother is upset because she can feel this warring going on within her. And God tells her that right there in her womb are two nations. God tells her that the older shall serve the younger. This whole episode takes place over what we would call the rights of the firstborn. Jill did an excellent job of describing the rights of the firstborn. And I thought about trying to do it in Jill speed and sort of warp speed you through this. But the... the eldest the older of the children inherits a double share this is a term that shows up in several different places in the Bible this double share and what it means is if you've got two children when you die the estate is split three ways the oldest child gets two of the shares two-thirds of the estate the youngest child gets one of the shares one-third of the estate if there are five children The estate is split six ways. So the oldest would get two-sixths. Those of you who are mathematical are saying, reduce the fraction. One-third... And then one-sixth would be the remainder of all of the rest. So the right of the firstborn is the right of the major inheritance. And depending on the number of children, it's a significant difference between whether or not one is a firstborn or whether or not one follows. Now, this is kind of the rule in the ancient world. And if there's one thing the Bible shows, shows us, it's that rules are often broken. Think about the number of times in the Pentateuch alone when the firstborn should have this privileged priority, but it goes to someone else. And Jacob is privileged over Esau. Joseph is privileged over his older brothers. There are a number of times when the Bible shows us that rules are meant to be broken. Jacob and Esau tell us the difference between what we want right now versus what's something's real value. Esau can't seem to see past the moment. Esau knows I'm hungry, my brother has food, and I want it this minute. Now listen, This ability to think beyond what you want right now, beyond what has presented itself at this moment, this ability is one that if we don't foster it, we will get ourselves in trouble time and time again. How many marriages have been ruined when 1,500 miles away from home someone wants something immediately and doesn't think of the consequences two years, two months, two weeks later? How many times has a teenager gotten in trouble and and started this, this lengthy engagement with law enforcement that has picture after picture after picture on the arrest pages because that person thinks about what's right right now, what they want right now as opposed to what they want their lives to be. How many of us have an idea of who we want to be? A long-term vision, but we haven't taken a single step to make that long-term vision a reality. The difference between Jacob and Esau is the difference between Recognizing what it is that we want right now and being able to recognize what psychologists would call delayed gratification. Esau doesn't care about the future, he's hungry right now. Sell me your birthright. All right. I'll say you my birthright. What good's a birthright to me? If I'm dying of hunger right here, right now, Jacob says, swear to me. It isn't a trick. Now, the next... Encounter that Jacob and Esau had will definitely be a trick. There will be subterfuge involved. There will be Jacob swindling Esau out of something. But this isn't a trick. This is all out in the open. This is the character of Jacob against the character of Esau. The one who can see tomorrow and 10 years from now and 30 years from now versus the one who can only feel the hunger that he is experiencing in the moment. Jacob and Esau. Now versus later. How does the New Testament deal with Jacob and Esau? The New Testament puts this story in the light of God's gifts of holiness and grace. The New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, has this to say about the characters of Jacob and Esau. Now, pay attention to everything that Hebrews says here because the argument is being made for our character. The argument is being made for those who believe in Jesus to have certain characteristics that define them. Pursue peace with everyone. And the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and through it many become defiled. See to it that no one becomes like Esau, an immoral and godless person, who sold his birthright for a single meal? you know that later, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for he found no chance to repent, even though he sought the blessing with tears. God offers us these gifts particularly of of peace, of, of holiness, of grace. And these are precious gifts. And you and I may embrace them for a lifetime. They may be our reason for existence. They may be the goal toward which we move. Or we can find something this afternoon that takes our minds completely off of God's will for us. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm going to say next. There is a rhythm that we were created for, a rhythm of work, rest, work, rest. If you don't fall into that rhythm, you will burn out. There is such a thing as authentic recreation. There is certain, such a thing as, as a certain rest that rejuvenates the soul. But there is also the calling of God, which is precious. And when God is calling us to move and we don't move, when God is inviting us to love and we don't love, when the Trinity is asking us to act and we don't act, then we're like Esau, looking only at the moment and what we might want to do. What is it you're tempted to waste Tomorrow when you get home from wherever you go, if you're going anywhere tomorrow, that's a weird thing. A lot of us are tireder than we've ever been and we had not gone anywhere. I felt yesterday like I would run two or three miles. I climbed two or three st- sets of stairs and that's, that's about it. But when you're finished doing whatever it is that, that you're doing tomorrow, what is it that you're going to be tempted to waste We're alive, we have breath, we have life, we have the ability and capacity to to love others and this life that we have is not to be wasted. This life that we have is a precious gift to be embraced. Who would God have you love when it's much easier to kick back your feet and your lazy boy and flip through 525 channels of nothingness only to say, there's nothing I want to see on television. And then you start over again. From the very beginning, wind up on home and garden television, somebody knocking out a wall and it was a load-bearing wall and all kinds of things go wrong. I've been there. What is it that you are tempted to waste? this time that you might have with a friend or a family member who is desperately ill, you might have a chance to have five more conversations with this person. It's easier. It's easier to sit back and do something else. What is it that is precious that you are tempted to waste? What is it that's got real value And how are you going to be reminded of what's important? That like Jacob, it's not just about what we want now, but it's about what matters in the long term. How are you going to embrace that holiness and grace of God? Now, the the holiness and grace of God that Hebrews talks about Holiness is one of those attributes of God. Grace is another of those attributes of God. The peace of God that passes all understanding, that peace that Hebrews talks about, one of the attributes of God. But holiness might be be described in terms of of a magnetism. My parents on their refrigerator, one of their refrigerators, they live on a farm. They've got a lot of refrigerators. On one of them, is a magnet that is as strong as any other magnet that I have ever seen. It used to have something to do with, I think, my my grandfather's pacemaker. It's a big magnet. You try to pull it away from the refrigerator, and it's kind of hard to get off. Now, I'm a big kid, and I like to play with things. And I especially like to play with magnets. Magnets. That magnet is so strong that if you take one of those large nails and, and you put it close to that magnet, you don't even have to touch it. But that nail then becomes a magnet itself. And you take a bunch of those little brads, little tiny nails, and without, without the nail even touching the magnet, it becomes a magnet and magnetizes to the degree that it can pick up tiny nails. That's what holiness is. It's the character of God and when a man or a woman draws close to God, it is that character of of God that comes through and the closer one gets, the more powerful it is until God Himself is visible. Visible in the lives of His people. It's precious. Don't treat it as if it's common, as if it's something to be given away because you want something this afternoon. God's grace, God's forgiveness and pardon. He entered into this world. God, the creator of the nervous system, is nailed to a cross and feels the pain as it travels through his body. There's a cross and a crown of thorns that is is smashed onto his head. God, the creator of the world, knows what it's like to be in physical agony. And he did it for you and for me. And it's more important Sometimes that we remember that grace. Then we do whatever we might want to do on a Tuesday night. Jacob and Esau. One plays the short game and the other is in for the long haul. What are you tempted to waste? What has God given you that you're tempted to to waste on something that is meaningless And in what ways will you be reminded in the week ahead of what's actually important, what really matters, of what God would have you be and who God would have you touch? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.